So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, hello and welcome to the next episode of the Self-Development with Tactics podcast. And actually, uh, I do really want to create some sort of an intro for this podcast because I think it's just some kind of great if you do just have, you know, some music or some kind of speech thing-like thing thing. (laughs) Uh, before every single episode, which is always quite the same, so that there is something like, yeah, you know that this podcast is coming up. If you do have, you know, several podcasts to listen to, um, mine is just somewhere in between, then it would be totally great. And also an outro would would definitely be pretty nice, um, actually, just because, um, yeah, to say thank you and to wish you a great day and all the things I'm normally just doing anyways. But I do think, uh, yeah, having it twice or three times or four times, it, there's never enough saying thank you to you. And I do want to thank you for just, uh, yeah, listening to me right now. Um, by the way, and I do uh, quite have to emphasize it, I am not only podcasting, I do have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, and Tumblr, and Pinterest, but Pinterest is something different. But, um, yeah, I do really want to invite you to just yeah follow me on all these channels and all the links should be uh, either if you can in the podcast description uh, or in the episode description or uh, what's a better definition or a better option is actually in the podcast description there is a link it's a link light link i think um dot at so it's for austria and you click on it and then you get some kind of interface where you can just choose what you uh yeah where you want to go so for example facebook or twitter or whatever so this is a pretty nice nice web- website actually and it do uh it's it's pretty nice especially for instagram where you just have one link or could just uh yeah link one link and therefore just being able to have multiple links linked is pretty great but uh, as you can see on the left side, here, <laughs> so here, and we will go ahead with the body language book, and I do hope we will just finish, uh, yeah, maybe not today, but hopefully in the next few episodes, especially in the next episode, it always depends on how long I make the episodes, but I do really want to discuss something else as well, not only body language. I think, actually, body language are the most, or the longest episodes there are on the channel, if you're on YouTube, and or as a podcast, if you're on a podcast. Um, because there are multiple body language books I've discussed, I think, actually, two not with this, so three with this, or two with this, so actually another one. But um, we go ahead with lint picking, and I was, as I was going through it before, I was like, what the fuck? The first thing I do have to look up again. So lint picking, looking away while picking imaginary lint is a sign of disapproval. The thing is, I don't know what lint is. Lint. Uh, lint picking. Ah, okay. I think I get it. Some sort of. 
I haven't really just... I'm just always thinking if I have seen this already and which person it was and so on, but I think I haven't really seen this one before quite. What happened? But yeah. Uh, hands on hips. The definite book the <laughs> definite book of body language says that placing the hands on the hands on the hips and pointing the elbows out shows readiness to dominate or dominate. It's a non-verbal challenge to other men who enter their territory. One hand on the hip is similar, especially if the elbow is pointed towards the person we are issuing the challenge to. It's also been called the achiever pose as it shows readiness to tackle the issues and get down to it. Men use it around women to display an assertive male attitude. This, what Joey Navarro calls akimbo, is his great, in his great what everybody is saying. I do... Have I been speaking about this book as well? I think not, actually. No, I have not. Maybe I will in some time actually discuss it as well, but I do think the definite book of body language is just a really, really great summary and overall look on all... Uh, you kind of can't keep attention on uh, in terms of body language. The cowboy stance. Uh, thumbs into the belt or in the pocket is a gesture to frame the genital area is used mostly by men to signal a sexually aggressive attitude. Men use this gesture to stake their territory or to show other men other men they mean business. Uh, Peace says it's a regular for it's a regular for men on the prowl. If it is used while talking to women, especially with dilated pupils and a foot pointing towards her, it immediately immediately gives the game away as to what are his intentions. Yeah, it's you know it's not only great to just you know use it for yourself or uh, just you know recognize it on yourself, but also to see it on other people. Then you just you know if you're just looking around, you know uh, some people are talking to each other, and you might be like, oh yeah. I totally know what he's up to. So, <laughs> um, I think this is actually also a great point of um, why body language could be pretty interesting for you. Uh, the leg over armchair. Mostly a man gesture as it also uses the legs spread. It communicates ownership and signals an informal and aggressive attitude. If someone is having a serious discussion, it also communicates superiority and indifference. So leg over armchair. I do think of something. But. Yeah. I thought about something like this. Yeah. Totally. This is you know one of the most common. Uh, body positions. You could just imagine. When you're just thinking of a movie. With you know a boss. Or some really high person in the company and he's always sitting like this and just joking around you know everybody's laughing and he also or not but yeah straddling a chair barbara and lmp say that the person straddling a chair wants to dominate uh, the crotch display while at the same time using the back of the chair for protection straddlers tend to be dominant types who will try to take control of others when they get bored with the conversation so I do have to look this up, straddling chair. Yeah, I thought about this one. Just, you know, using the chair the wrong way, basically. <laughs> the really wrong way. Um, the catapult, 
The definite book of body language says the catapult is the seated version of the hands on hips. The heads are behind the head. The hands are behind the head with the elbows pointing toward or outward. It gives an air of superiority like the person knows it all. Legs are usually in a figure four in a figure four or crotch display. P says that women quickly grow to dislike men who use the catapult during business meetings and women can't really use it as it would show their chest too obviously and even flattened chested one are described as aggressive by both by both man and woman. So it's basically this one. So this one. <laughs> basically this one. I do uh, quite use it. Um, I wouldn't say, yeah, I do use it often uh, for the post on Instagram and I maybe do not use it anymore because if both men and women do not like it it might not be the best idea for me to use it especially on uh yeah like very very uh yeah don't know the word but things like social media where everything is about what uh or how it looks like and you know there aren't many dimensions on the post so you know there are actually Maybe three. The text on the post, the post itself in terms of the picture, and the caption I could write down, and maybe like, yeah, the location maybe. But, but yeah. Show of readiness. Barbara and LP say that leaning forward with one hand on the knee or both hands on the knee, as it were, to start off a race signals that a person has reached a decision. If it comes after closed body signs, it's usually a negative answer. If it if it comes after decision-making clusters, like chin-stroking, then the decision can often be positive. It also signals the desire to end the meeting and move out. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, these are all things you probably might know, or... Yeah, you probably might know, but... For me, at least, I haven't really been thinking about it so intensely like this. So really, this the stroking chin thing, yeah, it obviously means or it meant for me before that you are just thinking about something. The thing is that it's actually the thing and that you could use it just really uh, consciously is the great thing about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Mirroring how we build report. What does actually report mean? And therefore I just used the DeepL website. Uh, uh, thank you. It's the same fucking word, you motherfucker. Mirroring how we build report. You've probably heard of mirroring a thousand times. Basically mirroring says non-verbally that you two are similar and share the same attitudes. Uh, for me mirroring was actually like... Yeah, actually making the same things as the other person are doing in terms of body language. So, if he has crossed arms, you have crossed arms. If he is smiling, you are smiling. And so on and so on and so on. So, when people refer to having a good vibe or that it feels right, they are unknowingly referring to mirroring and synchronous behavior. Mirroring is also a way of saying we are in agreement with someone. Usually, the person with the highest status makes the first move and the others copy. Hmm... That's interesting. Didn't know the last part. So that really, you know, the highest uh, status person really just, yeah, makes up for the copy and all the other people are just copying him. Man versus woman mirroring. 
Barbara and LP say that women are four times more likely to mirror another woman than a man to mirror another man. A woman mirror man too, but men mirror women less, unless he is in courtship mode. A woman mirroring man should mirror his body language and use less facial expressions rather than trying to mimic what they think he is feeling. Facial feedback, man, woman and dating. Men use less facial expressions than women and tend to have expressionless faces when listening. I think you know this is actually one of the things that really bothers uh, me about myself. That on all the fucking videos, I'm not smiling. I'm not you know making any just really gestures. You know, I'm, I'm making gestures, but you can't see them because of the camera angle and so on, uh, and so on. So all these things. Therefore. A lot of these fucking videos just seem to be so... I don't... The first thing that comes up in my mind is discouraging, but... Yeah, it could be, but it's also some kind of... Yeah, you just... Um, yeah, actually seeing me while I'm talking might not actually be the thing you want to do because I just have no expression on myself or on my fucking face. And for me, it's like, yeah, just smile sometimes and I do really fucking remind myself to do it because I know that... This is just better for the recording. And this makes my voice sound better. Because yeah, if I do speak like this, it's way better than if I do speak like this. It just makes an, an, a difference. So therefore, I remind myself to smile. Yeah, fucking shit. Um, so men feel awkward at the idea of using facial feedback while listening as it makes them feel effeminate. But it's the but it's the opposite. Women judge men who use facial feedback as caring, intelligent, interesting and attractive. So like I quite often do this. You know the thing is if somebody's telling me something like, Yeah, you know, I just, you know, nearly got hit by a car or something, I do like this, whoa. Ooh, I just use my eyebrows and just put them behind my fucking head. <laughs> Facial feedback. Uh, I've read that. What's mirrored? And Barbara and LP say that intonation, voice inflection, rate of speech and even accents tend to synchronize. P suggests never to speak quicker than the other person as that makes them feel pressured. It's extremely interesting when P says that a person's rate of speech is the rate at which his brain's Brains can analyze information, so either speak at the same speed or even slower. The thing is, then Eminem is just really able to fucking analyze information so quickly if, you can, if he can't just speak so quickly. That's interesting, but it makes sense. You know, with all these statements, I do always, always just ask myself, does this make sense? And this is important for me. And it should be for you to just have some kind of... And I knew the word... Just in the last episode, I was thinking about it, um, just being a little bit skeptical, yeah. Being a little bit skeptical on what you're actually reading. Could this be true? Could this be right? Is this even, you know, a real nice source and so on? So therefore, I really like to go through book summaries because at my point of view, not quite a lot of people do have the money or time to write the book, then let it produce and or publish and then just maybe market them even, even uh, so they do not either have the time or money or both actually to then just put out bullshit into the world. 
sometimes it seems to be like this, but yeah, I uh, I do feel like, yeah, if somebody is really passionate about one thing, yeah, they're gonna write a book, or if they're just really knowledgeable, knowledgeable in one particular topic, they will just make a book. Okay, that makes sense, therefore, I really like to rely more on books than on, you know, articles on the internet, because, yeah, you know, an article is no, uh, yeah, doesn't uh, take a lot of time, it could take a lot of time, obviously, but normally not, and money, actually not, so therefore, every fucking man or woman could just write an article on the internet, and if I discuss just something someone wrote, yeah, it's, it's not that truthful, and it's not that uh, valuable even, um, therefore, I first of all, try to always get good articles from, like, I don't know, Inc.com, Forbes, Business Insider, uh, Tony Robbins himself, Gary Vee himself, and all these great people, and or great companies, uh, and or just book summaries, because, yeah, it, it makes for me actually more sense to, uh, to go through these things. Um, yeah, intentionally mirroring, but I, what I want to say is that you should always be skeptical on what you're reading, so, yeah, period. It's, it's possible to influence others by mirroring their positive gestures and posture, which will make the other person feel relaxed and receptive. It's a good strategy to mirror people who adopt a it's a good strategy to mirror people who adopt a superior body language with you to disconnect them. Don't don't use it with the boss though. Peace recommends. And I was just thinking like, yeah, maybe if the, if he is actually or she is actually superior to you, it might not even be the best idea to to just use it. Uh, and therefore, yeah, because I do have to make an internship or uh, attend an internship uh, in my uh, summer holidays, which, uh, yeah, then I have to do one month of internship and then I really just have to remind myself, man, do not do anything that might be just really bothering your boss. This might not be a good idea. <laughs> um, but do not mirror the negative signals, though, in order to create a report. Superiority boss mirroring. Barbara and LP say that when the leader adopts a pose, the superiors will usually copy, often in ranking order. Leaders also tend to be the first of a group to walk through a, walk through a doorway and like to sit at the end of a sofa rather than in the middle. In the conference room, the boss usually sits at the head of the table, often farthest away from the door. In a bedroom, or sorry, boardroom, People who will mirror your position are also the most likely to vote for you. When you present your product to couples, noticing who mirrors whom will let you know who's got the ultimate decision power. Uh, yeah, totally. And therefore, the good thing is that you can actually, uh, if you're just presenting something or you're just hoping for someone to vote you, an actually good thing then would be to just mirror their body language. Because then I assume it would be like this, you just really feel better towards him or you have a better connection with this particular person uh, than if you just, yeah, if you would just be yourself. Because they say, yeah, people who will vote for you will just, you know, copy your body language. But if you just, you know, do it the other way around, it would also work, I think. Cigarettes, glasses and makeup. Uh, I was not too surprised that... 
to read Barbara and Ellen Pease saying that smoking is an outward signal of inner distress, but I was very surprised to read them say that smoking has less to do with nicotine addiction than it has to do with the need for reassurance. And what is reassurance? I don't know what reassurance is. Ah. Yeah, I do think it's... Yeah, but you could then just, you know... Uh, talk about addiction as well, not addiction in terms of, yeah, nicotine actually, but addiction in terms of, yeah, getting the reassurance. Smoking then is, <coughs> <coughs> sorry, smoking then is one of the many displacement activities people use while non-smokers chew gums, bite the nails, groom, tap their feet, scratch their heads or play with something. Blowing smoke. Blowing the smoke of a cigarette up is a positive sign. Conversely, blowing down is a sign that a sign the smoker is in a negative, secretive or suspicious frame of mind. Blowing down from the corner of the mouth further, so blowing down from the corner of the mouth further reinforces the negative sign. In sales scenarios, those who want to buy will blow upward, those who don't blow those who don't blow downward. It's actually nice to hear. I haven't haven't ever just thought about this, but it makes sense again. But yeah, it's just something new. The speed of blowing smoke. The speed at which the smoke is blown is an indicator of the intensity of the feelings. So therefore, I'm just thinking, yeah, if somebody is, you know, really positive, does it mean that he is just really fucking fast blowing out the 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 smoke out of his corner of the mouth? Uh, upwards and or would it then be just the really uh inverted thing for uh for the downward action would it then just be you know blowing it slow but i do not feel like this so i actually feel like yeah okay it's um <coughs> uh, higher speed is more intensity on both sides um I think this is actually the thing they they pointed out. But never mind. Never mind. So, extinguishing cigarettes. Barbara and Alan Pease note that if a smoker extinguishes the cigarette before it's finished, it's an indicator he wants to terminate the conversation. You can then change course, terminate it early, so it seems it was your decision. Glasses. The definite book of body language quotes Desmond Morris when he noted that putting objects against the lips or the mouth is an attempt to relieve the security a baby had when he was breastfeeding. A person wearing glasses putting the arm of the frame in or near the mouth is looking for reassurance. As we have, al as we have already seen, it's also a stalling sign to gain time as it is taking them off frequently to clean them. Holding them while often means they have reached a decision. While putting them back means uh, the person wants to see more of the information or evidences. Uh, big frame glasses project power while frameless or thin frame glasses convey a powerless image and say you are more interested in fashion than business and the opposite is true in social situations. Um, therefore, I just think like, hmm, could this you know, be true because like, yeah, you know, there might be even a study for this, but the thing is, yeah, if you just like, uh, yeah, big frames, then you just buy yourself glasses with big frames. If you do not like them, you don't. So 
it's you know on both sides it has something to do with fashion if you want to and or not it's just you know how you feel like it therefore um yeah and in terms of business it is more like okay it just seems for me like yeah people have 500 different glasses at home so they just you know put on whatever they they are feeling like but no yeah like you know they, if they're just feeling like yeah big frames when they just buy their fucking glasses they don't think about what they're thinking in business situations or how this would or could come across in business situations i think uh so mm, don't know Peering over glasses, Barbara and LP say that looking at people over the rim of the glass gives a sensation they are being judged. The person on the receiving end may respond to it by crossing their arms. Is this a should respond or maybe responding? So, is it a good or a bad one? Hmm. I think it's actually a bad one because crossing your arms in general is not the best sign you could make or the best communication you could make. But yeah. Sunglasses on the head, dark sunglasses during meetings make you appear secretive and even insecure. Wearing them on the head are seen as relaxed, youthful and cool. P says it's because they give the wearer the appearance they have two huge eyes with dilated pupils on top of their head, similar to the non-threatening effect that babies have. Yeah, you know, this just seems or sounds so fucking crazy, but it makes sense. According to all the things we have been gone through in this whole summary and all the things we've learned in this whole summary, this makes sense. Some, somehow, actually. Uh, glasses and makeup. Makeup adds credibility for women in business. As confirmed by a small experiment, Peace conducted himself. The combo of makeup and glasses was even more powerful. Exception is is if it's a woman-on-woman interaction, as women tended to see the makeup wearing ladies as colder and more arrogant, probably because they saw her more as a competitor. If you don't need to wear glasses, having a pair with uh, non-corradable lenses, now I do know what co- or correctable lenses, sorry, correctable means, um, could be a good idea for business meetings. Yeah. Lipstick, but it could be like, yeah, I don't know, yeah, I I just uh, kind of believe in what they say. Yeah, what they say. Um, about, yeah, you know, glasses and big frames and, you know, small frames and so on. I kind of believe in this. Not the big and <coughs> small frame thing. But um, just, you know, getting yourself glasses because of a job interview. And then actually, you know, working at this place and never wearing these glasses again. I don't know. You know, it might, you know, come across a little crazy... But if then just your, but the thing is, yeah, yeah, give a fuck what he's thinking or she is thinking. So your boss is thinking or your future boss is thinking. Just get yourself glasses, secure that fucking job if you need it, and then just if he asks or she asks, be like, yeah, and knew that this will give me a higher chance of you know getting the job. Did you know you you could do it, if it is great or intelligent or useful to do it. I don't know. I haven't been in a position yet. Uh, lipstick. Barbara and LP say that wearing bright color lipsticks for interviews made women appear as if they were more interested in themselves than in business and career. Women without lipstick were seen as more serious about work than men, but they were also seen as more lacking in personal. Uh, sorry. Uh, a lip, a lip. 
so women without lipstick were seen as more serious about work than men, but they were also seen as more lacking in personal skills. Okay. Briefcases signals. Large briefcases communicates the person is doing all the work and takes work home because he can't manage his time well. Slimmer briefcases say the person is only concerned with the bottom line and has more status. Yeah, you know, this also makes sense, but it's so so strange and so crazy that, you know, even it makes a sense what your fucking briefcake is, briefcake, briefcase is like, you know. So basically, you could just change everything up that you get the, the really max out of everything in your life. It seems to be like this, especially in, you know, corporate uh, situations like, you know, business meetings and all these things. You could actually just use all these informations to just <laughs> I'm just thinking about like yeah I really have a small su- uh, not suitcase but briefcase I'm not wearing uh, lipstick I do have sunglasses on my head I do have additionally other glasses without uh, correctable lenses I do I'm not I uh, I have makeup on even if I'm a man I don't give a fuck if it's a man and so on like you know really overdoing the whole thing <laughs> Yeah, this this would actually be funny, you know. This would actually be. Uh, I don't know if you have seen this, but uh, Gary V actually posts now some kind of comics or some kind of cartoony stuff things like. Um, but this is this is actually one of these situations that I would actually, if I would, um, and I was actually thinking about making these comics as well, but it would take quite a lot of time for me um, to make them. But um, this would actually be one of the scenarios I would just actually write ahead make because, you know, for me it seems so funny. Uh, Body points are where the mind goes. Definitive book of body language points uh, to an extremely easy and super effective way of reading people's intention. Uh, The direction in which someone points his body or feet is a signal of where he wants to go. Just looking for how long this will go on, and it goes on. Yeah, it goes on for a bit. So these were the cons. Were these actually the pros, or are they beneath it? I don't know. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. No, definitely not. So, yeah, body angles, open positions, standing straight and facing someone head head on is perceived as aggressive. To avoid taking an aggressive stand, we must stand at 45 degrees angles so that together with so that together with your speaking partner we form a 90 degree angle. This position invites other to join the conversation. Pointing the body away from the listener is seen as confident but not aggressive. Yeah, you know it 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 makes sense, you know, Especially the upper part that you just, you know, stand slightly not facing him because, yeah, you're just creating more space and, you know, more room for someone joining. This makes sense. <coughs> but actually seeing it seeing it as, as better if you're just not, like, yeah, but maybe. You know, it just, it just seems so, so um, like, yeah, intuitive to just, if you're talking to someone, you just stand in front of them and just stare them. Stare them in the face and just talk to them, you know, face to face, some sorta. But it also makes sense, yeah, to create the room and actually not facing them directly, because yeah, it, for for me, it just makes sense. I don't know. Close positions. Barbara and LP say that if two people want uh, intimacy, they will in- 
instead face each other. If someone wants to monopolize the conversation with someone, they will take the position. They will take this position. A fully frontal position is also a courtship signal, what Vanessa van Erdens calls fronting. If the other person accepts, accepts that uh, the courtship signal, they will also orient the body at zero angle. Peace says it's okay to approach a woman from the front and eventually move to a 45 degree angle. The closed position can also be used to, in, to issue a challenge between people who are hostile to each other. Yeah, I, I definitely, if just people really feel better when I'm talking with them, if I'm at a 45 degree angle, I will definitely do this. And, would, you know, these are the things that I'm really looking forward to trying out, if I remember them. And But I hope, but I, I definitely will remember them because, you know, actually always when I'm thinking about how I could implement all these things and um, even, you know, talking about these things with another person and so on, it's actually a good tip if you do want to remember things better, just learning it and looking at it and then teaching it someone else. You will definitely just remind it way better than by only listening and or reading and or just learning. But the thing is, it just makes fun and, or is fun to, to then use all these things properly or, uh, you know, to your advantage. Uh, attacks and approaches. Research shows that men are very are wary of attacks from the front and women are wary attacks from the rear and approaches from and approaches from the rear. So never stand fully frontal with a man you have just met as it perceives as either attack from a man or sexual interest from a woman. So hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, I really have to read this again. So research shows that men are very wary. Is it that it's with a W uh, wary of attacks from the front and women are wary of attacks from the rear. Isn't the rear the same thing? Attacks from the rear. Ah, yeah, I, I thought so. This would have made sense. Uh, from the rear and approach from the rear. Which means that they just talk to you always, you know, behind you. So never stand fully frontal with a man you've just met, because this would be an attack sign for him. As it's perceived as either an attack from a man or sexual interest from a woman. Why? If they approach from the rear, why would it be a sexual approach or sexual interest from women if they're facing a man Directly. Uh, I don't get it. I think they, there's just a, some sort of mistake. But but yeah. So how we exclude or include. Barbara and LP say that 45 degree angles invite other people to turn the conversation. If two people were facing each other frontally and a third person joins, it's likely the two will only turn their heads towards him but not their bodies. Only turning the head to what someone signals that the newcomer is not very welcome. Makes sense. Because if you're just pointing to the other person, this just really communicates, yeah, you are talking to this person. Especially when you're just pointing with your feet towards this certain person. Um, they will probably have tight-lipped smiles 
as well. A group conversation can also start fully open with a triangle, but two people can eventually start facing each other and it's a sign for the third one. He should probably move along. Oh. The seated body position or seated body pointing, when we are seat seated, we can point our knees towards the person we are most interested in or towards the person we accept the most. Feet serve the same purpose, we point our feet towards the person we find the most interesting. Okay, you know the thing is, if you're sitting, you can use your feet as well as your knees, so therefore, you know, and what should I keep my attention on? I think more on the knees, actually, because these are the things you... Uh, yeah, I just think I just thought like yeah, you do have to move your whole body if you want to move your knees, but actually you can actually uh yeah, move your knees without moving your actual upper body. It's some kind of hard. Maybe even not. So, I think yeah, keep attention to the knees. This is my decision. Courtship and attraction gestures. The definite book of body language quotes Albert Shevlin or Jack Flynn or whatever, when he found out that when we meet someone from the opposite sex, uh, meet psychological changes, when we meet from the, the psychological changes take place that makes us more youthful in appearance. So, again, so the definitive book of body language quotes Albert Shefflin when he found out that when we meet someone from the opposite sex, Psychological, psychological changes take place that make us more youthful in appearance. A man will stand taller, protrude his jaw and expand his chest while an interested woman will make him more submissive and feminine. <coughs> Barbara and LP say that because men tend to have more difficulties than women in dating, most dating and floating classes tend to have more men than women. See a few tips and examples for text flirting. Yeah, the emergence of colorful man. Barbara and LPs know that it is that in most mammals, it's the man who dresses up to impress the woman. In humans, it's the woman who dresses more. It's it's the woman. <coughs> I'm so sorry. So in in humans, it's the woman who dresses more attentively to attract male attention. Today, however, we see the re-emergence of the man who takes care of himself, sometimes even in ways which have been pro predominantly feminine. This is the sometimes so-called metrosexual man. The authors say that while the metrosexual man seems strange to many heterosexual men, the, the observations show that metrosexuals fall in the categories of gay men, effeminate men and who realize that many traditional female behaviors are a great way to meet lots of women. Robert Greene talks about it in his Dendy's section of The Art of Seduction. Whoa, so The Art of Seduction is also from Robert Greene. So Robert Greene is actually a pretty good author in terms of psychology books and also body language books, actually. He's actually a really, really great one. Uh, yeah, oh my god. Am I actually, you know, really, I could be a little bit better positioned, actually. And, you know, with a straight back, and like, you know, I'm Tony Robbins, and the way you move. 
the way you move your emotions are. No, uh, uh, motion creates creates emotion. Yeah. Fuck you. No, just joking. Don't fuck you. Uh, I love you, actually. And I really thank you for being with me, actually, in this really, yeah, late time. So I'm actually 40 minutes in. It's quite a lot of time, so... And it's also a lot to go with this book. But there's so much in it. There's so fucking much in it. I will probably, yeah. Uh, so, attracting the opposite sex. When someone wants to attract the opposite sex, we do so by emphasizing sexual differences. <coughs> I'm sorry. Um, P says that most of the success in the... Uh, in the dating game relies on the man's ability to read the signals of a woman sends to him as opposed to initiating his own moves. Barbara and LPs talk about Graham's style as a seducer and his success mostly due to his ability to read women's signals and play the, the rituals well. Women would describe Graham as a sexy, masculine, humorous and as making them feel feminine. Men described him as aggressive, Insincere, arrogant, and not particularly funny. Graham had few male friends as men didn't like a rival or rival for the attention of his woman. Woman call the shots. The, the definitive book of body language will tell you what most good observers know about themselves. Most men will tell you they made the first move, but most studies in courtship show that women are the initiators 90% of the time, and while some men approach without being invited first, and some of them can even be successful, the overall statistical success is low because they are simply playing the number game. Yeah, Women and men misunderstandings. Barbara and Ellen P. say most men tend to mistake friend friendliness? Yeah, friendliness. <laughs> Um, tend to mistake friendliness and smiling for sexual interest. P says that because me, men see the world in more sexual terms than women, than women. Point. Uh, upon meeting a possible partner, women tend to send a flurry. So upon meeting a possible partner, women tend to send a flurry of courting rituals in the first minutes. They often send ambitious messages in the early stages to manipulate men into showing the hand. Showing the hand, okay. Uh, men often confuse these signals and make a clumsy pass. I find it extremely interesting that Barbara and LP say this is one of the reasons why some women have difficulties in attracting men. Men get confused with the ambitious messages and won't make the approach. Okay. And this is actually it with this episode. And there is quite a lot to go on, actually. Which is, yeah, it is good, actually. It kind of is some sort of difficult to go on with this summary all the time. Uh, and it was a really good choice for me to really um, do not do this thing all the time, but rather just mix it up with something else so that I'm not just doing the same shit over and over and over again or just the same topic over and over again, which is then for me, you know, not that nice. And I do think actually for you as well, it's some kind of great to have, you know, one episode there, one episode there and so on. So, so yeah, uh, even though I think 
it is also great to just have all the episodes uh, after one and another so that you can actually go through them just kind of fluently but yeah yeah i don't know for me it's better at least which shouldn't be the case so i shouldn't really look at what's good for me but actually what's good for you and what you guys want or girls want out there and i should really just you know create my content on the uh on the thoughts you have but yeah i wish you have a fucking wonderful day (coughs) i'm sorry um i wish you have a wonderful 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 day and i wish you success wealth health happiness uh, I wish that you're giving back and a really great legacy. And yeah, if there's anything you want to tell me, just hit me up on all the social media challen- uh, ch- challenges channels you can find uh, in the podcast description. There's a link light, I think it's link light or link tree or something with link at least dot at, which is Austria. Again, um, there will be an interface, and then you can choose where you want to hit me on. And I would be really happy if you do this, just, you know, to critique me even, or just give me tips, or just, you know, uh, give me some topics to talk about, and so on and so on. But I wish you nothing more than so much ultimate happiness, and I'll see you the next time. And I love you very, very, very much. i see you.